Okay, Megas, welcome to the reboot of the Meg podcast. Um, could call it season two, I suppose, if you like, but um, we, we, we very much see this as continuity um, from the, the previous ones. We've just had a bit of a summer break, a late summer break. Um, as many of you may know, unfortunately, Ray, who has kicked off this whole podcast a few months ago, um, unfortunately, as real life has intervened and he, he doesn't really have the time to, uh, to run the podcast anymore. Um, but myself, Richard Jeffrey Cook and Matt Haywood are going to take up the baton, hopefully carry on in the, the footsteps that Ray set, started us off on. Um, so obviously, I think at this point, we would very much thank Ray for doing that, because I think a lot of people have um, found the podcast really interesting. And certainly I found um, I've enjoyed it immensely doing them. So hopefully we can carry on with that. So a big, big thank you to Ray, certainly from myself on that. And uh, hopefully, actually, we'll, we'll be able to get him in on the podcast as a guest in the future. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if he, he does well in a competition, we will be able to twist his arm and he can come and tell us tell us just how, how well he did, despite the dice he will undoubtedly be rolling. Um, as, as like a good wargamer, he always complains about his dice. But then again, don't we all? So, so say just you know myself and Richard um, carrying on as we have before. Very much, hopefully, a keep calm and carry on. Uh, Matt Haywood is very kindly going to do a lot of the technical stuff in the background, um, but also I am hoping that he will be contributing on a regular basis. So, can we persuade you to do that, Matt? Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm, I'm all up for it. I'm. I think the techie includes, does, does that mean I get to do the raise bit of gesticulating wildly and swearing a lot and then editing it out of myself? <laughs> as, as long as you can edit it out, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, to, to, to move along and stop me just waffling about the past, um, I think what we're going to do on this, this first, first episode of season two is to have a bit of a retrospective, a look back at the recent Skull Rollers competition held a few weeks ago as part of the London GT. Obviously, Skull Rollers is Meg's World Championships. Um, okay, you know, at the moment with you know, still enough COVID around that um, unfortunately, not not too many people um, coming in from other countries, so it's very much UK dominated. But we had Jacques and Hoob from Belgium. And Panos came in from Greece, so we had some some international contribution there, which is great to see people coming in. So, um, was it thirty of us played five games over two days? So, we're going to look back on that, see how we did. Um, now, obviously, as, as some of you may know, um, in, with with my my egotistical head on, I've already published some accounts of my games at. Skull Rollers, so I'm not going to repeat that and bore you all to death uh, by, by basically telling you how good my shooting dice were with my Seljuk army. But I'm going to pass over to Richard, who, who it must be said, also performed very well at the competition, to, to have a look at the army he took, maybe explain why he took it, and give us an overview on how his games went. So I will now shut up and hand over to Richard. Uh, thank you, Nick, and good evening, everyone. So... At the London Grand Tournament, I had decided to take a chariot army, Mitanni, uh, which is in the Egypt and Hatti lists uh, section. Uh, let's start by running through quickly the army because it's not overly 
complex. Uh, so uh, the army had eight units of four chariots. Uh, two of those chariots were superior. Um, the other, other six were average. That involved downgrading some from the this norm. Um, and all the chariots were a skilled bow. Um, so uh, uh, that that amounted to um, 32 chariots, all with skilled bows. So that's 16 files potentially of skilled shooting pumping out there, um, which is quite good. Um, along with that, uh, I'd found during playtesting that you needed some infantry to counter enemy archers as much as anything. So I actually had a unit of, I think they're Aik, Icky spearmen. So they are form loose, average protected short spear with integral shooters. That was a unit of eight. Uh, some Awaluti Kashati. Uh, apologies to any um, Mitani who have been offended by my pronunciation there, but they were form loose, average, unprotected, but skilled bow, but they were combat shy. And then uh, finally, a unit of eight, uh, Shuktuli, I think they are. They are infantry form loose, average, unprotected, experienced bow, short spear and shield cover. Um, so they're an interesting troop type. Um, and along with that, I had a skirmishing unit of six, um, just ordinary, average, unprotected, experienced javelin men. So that was the army uh, breaks on uh, uh, on six tugs, uh, but bearing in mind eight of those tugs are only four strong. That's still a bit scary. Um, the command structure uh, was um, a talented professional CNC, three competent sub generals. So 13 cards overall, which gives you lots of ability to react to opponent's moves when you need to, to get those chariots at the right distance to be shooting. Um, it also gives me eight PBS cards and three scouting cards. Um, one of the things, oh, along with that, it also had a poor fortified camp. So um, the fortified camp is handy because it, it uh, means that a lot of enemy mounted troops, for example, um, just ignore it um, and to be honest, any foot that are likely to reach the end of the table to sack your fortified camp have uh, probably been shot to bits by the chats first. So you've either won the game or not. Um, uh, so that that was the army. Um, I should mention the troops with the shield cover. You can actually shoot and continue to use the shield cover um, because they consist of front rank of spearmen and then the rest of the archers behind. So. Um, that's that's the adva another advantage of those um, archers. Um, very, very nasty for opposing horse archers. <laughs> yeah, and they can give opposing longbowmen a run for their money as well, which is quite handy. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, the main fear with the army is obviously enemy power bow. They're not very pleasant at all. Um, uh, also, artillery was to prove um, an interesting um, 
challenge with at least one of the armies, which I'll come to. Um, the but the the share of power of the shooting you're putting up that can slow down enemy cavalry. Um, and if you're prepared to run away when you have to, and then um, skirmish when you need to, um, you can you can react to most things. Obviously, fully armoured troops are a bit of a worry uh, with the armoured horse, but then they're slowed down. So um, but overall, they're not a greater risk, a threat, really. It's pretty like that. So um, how did it actually do? Um, well, the first of my five games was against an Italian Wars Florence, Florence army uh, from the Italian War set. So you couldn't really get more ahistorical, really, except for one of my army's opponents later. Uh, but this was 1505, I think, whereas my uh, Mitanni army was about 1400 BC. So uh, nearly 3000 years difference there. Um, the France army was run by Rob Hutton. Um, Rob's perhaps still learning the game, and so the Mitanni were a bit of a struggle for him. Uh, the army he'd taken was two lots of um, Condettieri with Castilias behind, so they're the knights. They were fully armoured, armoured horse, um, charging lance, a dead charger, melee expert. So they're, they're a very expensive and b um they're not moving particularly fast so um they they take a bit of work um to there's a bit of a struggle to catch the chariots they were supported by unit mounted crossbowmen average protected experienced bow crossbow melee expert um so that that could put out a bit of shooting but was again you can overpower that but it being a six it was um a bit more of a uh, um something to to be aware of um the the solid core of the army is two lots of 12 langshecht pikes with halberdiers um they they were sort of drill close average protected pike shove keel and one of them had melee expert. Um, because they were 12s, they're always going to take forever to shoot down, even with the green dice. Um, so my main aim was just to avoid um, shoot, shooting at those whenever I could and concentrate on the more vulnerable bits. The, the two pike units were supported by a unit of sword and buckler men. They were just average protected melee expert of six. So I definitely regarded them as a target. Uh, the militia spearmen who were formed close average protected short spear and shield wall. Um, another unit of six and then two units of average experience crossbow. Um, they uh, they were sixes, so I regarded them as targets as well. Um, to support those, uh, Rob had a unit of nine skirmishing crossbowmen. Uh, average ex unprotected experience crossbow and a unit of six poor experienced firearm handgunners. Um, skirmishes are a bit of a nuisance to the Mitanni army because you can waste time having to sh shoot the skirmishers away. Um, in the meantime, they can do damage to your fours and as soon as you take a base off, a four is becoming vulnerable. 
Um, so in the end, I did win the game, um, but by really focusing on the vulnerable bits and staying away from the pike and halberdiers. Um, so, so that started me off well with a nice 15 uh, point win. Um, I should mention, Rob, actually, I had played this army in a practice game uh, the week before um, <laughs> the tournament, uh, just the way the draw worked out, unfortunately. Um, so um, uh, both Rob knew my army, I knew his. So, um, uh, But unfortunately, the practice game didn't help Rob as much as it helped me. <laughs> uh, can be the way, can't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, on to game two. Uh, game two was equally, or if even more, uh, um, unhistorical, because it was up against Lee Sanders using Takeda Japanese. Um, so, this is even later, 1570. Um, so, you're really almost into the Renaissance period at this time. Um, the... Japanese armies are always a bit of a mystery to me. Um, this, this one is primarily a lance-based army, so it has, um, uh, although I say that, that's not really actually looking at the army itself, isn't really true. It had six superior charging lance and melee expert, um, so they were a real threat because they're moving fast, Superior means I'm down to white um, white S dice uh, when shooting at them um, and give them a general and prompt through fire and I'm in danger of getting caught so I'm probably running away so that drops down a colour so it's the black S dice um, and you're not going to do an awful lot of damage unless you get lucky against those so they were a threat. Um, there were three units of the um, bushy samurai with the retainers. So these are um, uh, um, half and half um, form loose superior protected skilled power bow melee expert uh, backed up with average protected melee expert. Um, and they, um, so they were a real threat because skilled power bow can, are not a chariot's best friend. Getting upgraded for power bow and being upgraded for skilled, um, particularly since a lot of my chariots were average rather than superior. So a lot of nasty dice coming my way from those. Richard, uh, sorry to butt in, but um, uh, were, were, were those the the um, sort of pirate ally types? Yeah, that they're the Mur I think they're the Murakami clan, which are the pirates from um, somewhere inland, it's a big, big inland sea. I think they were based around. Are these uh, the ones that, if they charge or you charge them, they, they, they use firearm or something? They, yeah, they switch to experienced firearm. Um, so, which, which actually against chariots, they drop <laughs> um, in terms of effectiveness. But um, oh yes, it will, won't it? Because it's um, stop being power though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but to be honest, charging them head on would be pretty suicidal anyway for the chariots because they were only fours. So it, it didn't become a thing in the end. 
Um, the rest of the army is, is pretty uh, um, standard. The infantry are formed or drilled flex flexible, protected long spear, um, supported by, they he had a, uh, Lee had a unit of poor experienced bow archers that kept skulking away. Um, so yeah, the, um, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do against this army. And to be honest, it drove me back and then um, beat me when it pinned me into combat. Um, so uh, in the end, I think I've got eight points, which was respectable. Um, but uh, that was a that was a victory for Lee. Um, and then moving swiftly on to the third game of the day was against Peter Cross and his early Carthaginians. Um, so um, this was a um, fairly sort of standard early Carthaginian. The, the tweak in it was that it had Numidian allies and the Numidian ally had uh, elephants in, which is not historical. Um, but uh, yeah, um, anyway. Uh, as a clever, far as I, a clever spot by Peter. <laughs> it was, but um, I mean, he had, had a unit of four elephants in there. Um, for, to be honest, I didn't mind because I can shoot up elephants. So they're quite a good target for the chariots. Um, they was, he also had a unit of the Punic chariots, which he made uh, uh, superior protected. They get experienced javelin, short spear, melee expert, shoot and charge, devastating charges. Uh, but they are only a four. Uh, oh, except there were two of them. Um, I have to say, I've, I've, um, all respect to Peter, I think he didn't use them effectively. Um, he was concerned because I outflanked him on that side and he was worried if he committed the chariots they would get outflanked and in the flank. But in the end, I in effect neutralised them and they were an awful lot of points doing um, not much. Uh, he had a big solid block of African spearmen in the middle, their form close average protected long spear. Um, it, would take, it would take me forever to shoot those. So I actually focused mainly on the um, the supporting troops on the side. He had a unit of six Campanian cavalry, superior protected, unskilled javelin, short spear. Those did catch one of my chariots, but I, I was able to draw them forward and basically shoot them up. Um, so I, I got even match on those. Um, there were also some Ligurian foot uh, I think they're compulsory within the army um, and some Gallic foot, um, uh, along with a couple of units of Numidian cavalry skirmishers and some infantry, poor, poor un, unprotected experienced javelin uh, Numidians, which protected his African spearmen uh, and lasted longer than they should have done, <laughs> as far as <laughs> I was concerned. Um, so in the in the end, I, I eventually got the five tugs I needed to break his army. Um, but um, uh, it's 
yeah, it was it was a bit of a struggle. Um, but um, I never really felt threatened by Peter's army. It was a case of um, just trying to to get the points there. So 15 points in the end. So I finished the first day on 38 points, which was very respectable. Uh, moved on to the second day and ended up playing uh, Paul, uh, who uh, was one of the other people I had had a practice game with. Um, so that was a bit frustrating <laughs> in some respects, uh, not least because this time Paul clearly had learned how to fight my army and didn't make <laughs> the mistakes he made in his first game against me. That's a, um, a deeply, deeply underhand thing to do, if you ask me. Uh, absolutely. Learning from your mistakes. How dare you? Um, the, the neat feature of Paul's army, I have to say, it was Imperial Roman Eastern with a... Um, a Saracen ally, uh, which is an interesting mix I hadn't seen before. Um, but the nice feature, which is quite clever, he put three units of our uh, legionaries with the integrated cart mounted artillery um, and downgraded them so they were poor. Um, and one of, so you essentially have a unit of four, three drilled flexible average protect impact weapon shield cover legionaries and the fourth, which is the artillery. Um, uh, now, the, the neat thing about that is poor with shield cover, you're still skilled, don't get any benefit of shooting poor as opposed to shooting uh, average troops and the shield cover still counts. So um, I, you end up, all I could get shooting at the poor legionaries were white dice. And because he kept them cleverly between his veteran and um, guard legionaries who were the superior types um I, I never really had any opportunity to um um uh, threaten the artillery and the meanwhile the artillery were shooting between the gaps or even shooting overhead um and were getting because artillery gets an up against chariots um, were taking pot shots with green dice, a bit like uh, tank hunters was my reaction. <laughs> um, so um, that that did quite a bit of damage. Um, uh, in the end, um, the game turned into a draw. I think it was an eight six or an eight four to Paul. Um, he. I think to get a higher score, he needed to be a bit more rash and throw a bit of caution to wind, and he chose not to, which is fair enough. Um, I just couldn't really wear him down. That shield cover was just too effective. Um, he, he also had benefited from terrain. He got a nice vineyard on a hill right in the middle of the battlefield, um, which um, really limited what, what I could do with my chariots. So. Uh, that game ended up in a draw, and then that meant the final game I was playing against Paul Cummins, uh, a contributor to this podcast, and um, uh, his later medieval Polish. Um, now, later this later medieval Polish list um, is not for the faint-hearted, I think it's probably fair to say. It's got Lithuanian cavalry who are 
superior protected experience bow shooting short spear shooting charge. Um, he had uh, allied cavalry, which are Polish, I think, so they're actually an integral part of the army, not a separate ally. Um, they were formerly superior. Oh, they were the same, basically, superior protected experience bow, short spear shooting charge. Um, and then he had uh, some average unprotected ones as well. Um, those are known as the less protected um, cavalry. He then had a unit of war wagons uh, who are not chariots best friend, really. They were average protected experience crossbow and pole arm, but I basically I just stayed away from them. Um, he then had the, and I'm going to get this pronunciation completely wrong, Tawazine. Are they? These are the cavalry which are mixed in with the post. Uh, uh, we, we ought to bring Matt in on this one. Matt, Matt being a, a bit of a fan of Eastern Europe, yeah. perhaps he can, because I haven't got a clue how you pronounce it either. <laughs> it, it, it's easy. One means companions, one means shooters. I'm not even going to attempt it. It's been years since, I, and I just embarrassed myself, quite frankly. And, uh, so, <laughs> so. The, basically, they are mixed superior Fully armoured, uh, charging lance and melee expert cavalry, supported by average protected, experienced crossbow shoot and charge in half and half. Um, and then he had the final ninth unit of his army was form flexible, average protected, charging lance and melee expert. They're the hussars. Um, so um, an interesting army. Um, it didn't start well for me. In his first charge against my chariots with the shooting charge, he rolled um, three wounds on the white dice and slowed me by two and uh, caught me, uh, having taken off a base and a wound. So I didn't think the battle was going to go well. In fact, I was convinced I was going to lose right from the start. Um, but you plug away. That's why I learned with the Mitanni. The Mitanni is an army where you just plug away. Um, but the, the turning point in the battle was when I probably moved my skilled shooters out of the rough going to try and take a pot shot at his um, cavalry that was, were threatening my chariots. Um, then realised I couldn't get back into the rough going before these um, knights, companions and shooters uh, could charge me. So I, this was not going to go well, I thought. Um, but it left a fatal gap. I was able to get a unit of chariots round the rear of his knights and companions. And in what proved to be the last turn of the game, charging them in the rear, I needed three bases to break the unit uh, and I had two files going into his rear and I, lucky me I rolled a skull and a wound with the red and green dice on both files, broke the unit and actually broke his army at that point. Um, I had at the time I had three units which were wound off routing um, and uh, a fourth unit, which was in melee, and uh, I think in the melee turn, it, a skull would have broken it. So, um, it, and it was well outclassed. So, 
Um, I managed somehow to drag a victory from the jaws of defeat, or or Paul did the reverse. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm still not sure which was which. Um, so I uh, ended up in a respectable eighth place out of thirty. Um, I think that last game is is good illustration with these shooting armies, especially the mounted shooting armies. You say just keep plugging away, just just keep keep working on it. Yeah, I, I was fortunate in that two of the, those units which were wound off breaking, I was able to pull out of the battle line and get well away, so they weren't going to take any captives from anybody else breaking. Um, and yeah, you you with the Mitanni, you certainly have to wait until the gaps appear in your enemy's line. Um, once you can get in and around the backs and so on, then you're having a field day. But the challenge is actually to achieve that in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just, I, I, a couple of weeks before Skull Rollers, I played Paul when he was trying this army out for the first time, and it's uh, I think it's, it's, it's an adrenaline rush army to use. I suspect. <laughs> Well, he did win the prize for having the combined highest total of points killed and points inflicted of any army at LGT. So oh, he did, yes, that's right. Yeah. So um, it was obviously, um, yeah, one of those um, die or, or be killed. Yeah, but it, even when it dies, it does a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah. did, did you... Um tend to attack Richard did you aim to control the train or did you prefer to defend I didn't I I learned with the Mitanni I didn't care about the terrain much at all um I um in the end I found it more useful to hold cards back for the scouting score um and see where my opponent was deployed rather than worrying about terrain. It's very hard to get so much terrain in the centre of the battlefield that the Mitanni are worried about it because you've got powerful shooting on a relatively narrow frontage. Um, and the, the thing that actually none of my opponents really picked on other than Lee is the worst thing for the Mitanni is having terrain at your back because it gives you nowhere to run to. So you, your opponent knows where you're going to be deployed. Um, and um, yeah, rather than deploying terrain to protect your own army, I think there's actually a lot to be said for deploying terrain to muck up your opponents when you're against a shooty army like the Mitanni, um, to muck up your opponent rather than give them nowhere to run to. Um, and that, I mean, that's perfectly valid historically. I mean, the First Crusade, uh, that's how Bohemond uh, defeated the Turkomans because he, he trapped them against a mountain range and they had nowhere to run to. So, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's no, my view. I'd, I'd agree with Richard on that. I mean, I mean obviously, I, I took a, a shoot cavalry army, I took my soldiers of rum again, and, you know, I, I got four tables that were basically open which suited me down to the ground. I think my my soldiers probably need it more open a bit than Richard. I don't have the infantry that Richard has got. Um, and also, I, my, a lot of my shooters are unprotected, so I probably need a little more space 
I'm going to be running away a bit more. But the one, the last game against um, John Monroe, the, which I lost, um, certainly a bit of a factor in that was having some terrain to my rear, which which did force me to um, not quite deploy maybe as I would like to because I knew I was going to be falling back. So it, it does constrain your options. I, th I think I think Richard's absolutely right. Sort of the offensive use of terrain against your opponent. Um, thinking how it's going to hamper them is, is definitely something worth thinking about. Yeah, it's interesting that because it's not something I'd overly consider because a lot of my armies are agnostic when it comes to terrain, so I don't really care what goes down. But, you know, I've never really considered, as you say, being offensive with my line of trees. Or, or, yeah, or I mean, uh, I think uh, Richard, you mentioned it in a, in, a, in a previous podcast some time ago when you I think you played Nigel Emson, didn't you, where, where he ended up with... Yeah. He had Emishi army, basically had a wood completely behind it. Yes, and, and Nigel had absolutely nowhere to run to when I chased him down with my early Germans. So Yeah, so maybe, maybe an extreme version, but it's, yeah, it's, it, it certainly can give a headache to, to, to a, a skirmishing cavalry army. So, so there but, we are. We, we have all learned something from Richard tonight. <laughs> Yeah. yeah I, I, in summary, I would say that the um, I wouldn't I wouldn't try to claim it. It's necessarily historical when you take it out of the context of the biblical lists, uh, the chariot lists. But um, in terms of an actual army for competitions, um, it's it's certainly a viable choice. Actually, just just on that, Richard. Um... It's something that crossed my mind, especially especially after seeing you taking this army to skull rollers and and placing placing well. Was was yeah, but you were by far the the oldest army, if you like, in the oh, competition, the one furthest back in time. Um, I, and I wonder about Matt's view on this as well. Is whether whether people discount the biblical armies in open com more open competitions? You know, they see them as only working in biblical i know previous sets of rules that's very much been the case but not sure it applies to meg there are plenty of armies in the chariot lists that are uh, not viable for open competition but there are a f certainly a quite a few that i think um have possibilities uh isan Lassa is one of those armies lists that um, is worth a look at um yeah uh, i so yeah i think there are quite a few that have have possibilities yeah it, it, it's, it's something that i've wondered about and, and the, the attraction for the biblical is well for me it's chariots and they look pretty but you know uh, there is i don't even know if it's the division of lists i don't know what, how many lists date wise we go to do, do we, as we get later on, have more and more lists appearing? So you've actually got a small pool for biblical. So there, on the whole, people don't look at them. There, there are something like 60. I'll, I'll get the exact number wrong, but there's something like 60 chariot lists covering really 3000 BC to 600 BC. So, yeah, I mean, if you compare the um medieval um lists you have something like 200 covering the period 
1100 to 1500. So you do get a much greater density of lists in the medieval period because there are just, well, the sources are better and there's more um, more variety, really. I mean, some of some of the early chariot lists are guesswork, really. Um, we've got <laughs> we've got a few. Well, I mean, the the dynasty of Sealand, for example, we have a few references, and we have one fort that was re uh, excavated in 2012, 2014. Um, and and in fact, that fort in southern Iraq is the first real physical evidence for the existence of the dynasty of Sealand. Um, other than that, it was just references in the histories of other nations. So, yeah, very, very thin evidence indeed. So, yeah, yeah but I'm just, just thinking, you know, maybe about my last thought on this as a, a, a liker of uh, mobile shooty armies, you know, a bit a big difference when you look at, you know, you say your army compared to my Seljuks is, you know, all, all your all your shooties, shooty mounted people are protected, whereas most of mine are unprotected, which, you know, so which does make quite a difference protected if you get into a shooting fight. Yeah, I mean, the, the against unprotected troops, you can even do the tactic of going one deep um, because you're getting a plus for the um, skill and the plus for the un lack of protection so um you're still using green dice yet with one rank and i did that against one of my opponents i remember um and they were quite horrified that i was getting six files of shooting <laughs> two two yes one was too deep the other one deep um and four green and two yellow dice uh, focused on their unit of eight um, it, it, yes, that that can do some a lot of damage quite quickly. It is. It, 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 it can indeed. Okay, it is it, for patience. You do um, sometimes you'll get that uh, lucky double skull from two green dice, and a lot of the time you end up with two blanks. So you you just have to accept that and keep plugging away. I, I yeah, shooting cavalry armies teach you patience definitely. Okay, okay, Richard, thank you very much we've, 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 <laughs> for that. You know, I think it's time to give you a break. I think uh, time to ask Matt to earn a bit of his crust now, perhaps, <laughs> um, because um, I'd just like to, to, to ask Matt to give us some, some, some thoughts from the outside, um, because, because he wasn't able to attend uh, the Skull Rollers. Um, some thoughts maybe on some of the lists that were there, because I mean, all the lists have been published on the web. Um, so um, I know Matt has had a look at them. So maybe give some thoughts and maybe, uh, you know, maybe some insight of how, how he might might have approached some of those lists um, if he had been able to turn up. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, oddly, well, it's not oddly. Paul and I had discussed it quite a bit. I, I was also taking late, later medieval Polish because, um, well, I'm glutton for punishment, basically. But um Mine was a slightly different build to Paul's. I went with, um, I built it around four blocks of the mixed knight crossbow units, whereas Paul went with the superior Lithuanian cavalry. The, the reason I hadn't gone for the cavalry, the superior Lithuanians, was they didn't have melee expert. And what I found was once they got into combat, they tended to get cut to pieces because that melee expert was so important 
um, in like the early Russians that I ran earlier on in the year. That yeah, so it didn't work for me. So so I took four blocks a night. I also wanted war wagons, but because I'm slightly deranged, I thought no, no, I won't take the ones within the Polish list. What I did was I took a a, a micro Hussite ally of two tugs of two war wagons, and each of those tugs upgraded half to light artillery. So it was uh, you know, four war wagons was the ally and half of it was the light artillery war wagons and it, 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 the aim was it wasn't going to be big but it was going to sit in the middle of the table and just um you know battleships of old and just ex put a, put a, a pressure up to eight base widths away and just generally annoy people um whilst everything else worked to, to kill it that so was the theory anyway a shooting terrain feature <laughs> Yes, yes. If you go, if you remember my DBM days, it was it was almost like the the the, the horde that I used to run in my Kitan Lao, where you know you just line it up and just, just charge straight up the table and use it as a, an offensive piece of terrain. And that was the same principle. Um, yeah. So um, I wasn't under any illusions that it was going to be a tricky army to run, and I think Paul was of the same ilk. But we discussed it so much, I think we both decided we were going to do it. And then the runners and riders came out, and then we both looked at it and went. Mm, it was a very heavy metal field for starters, so that that was slightly worrying. I was expecting a bit more of a, a, a broader field to the armies, but there was a lot of the big metal pikes and uh, uh, hundred years war English that kind of thing. And I thought, well, anyway, oh, yeah. So my my usual pondering over the list prior to the event and um, thought how the Polish should fare against the various lists. So what I thought I'd do here is I'd just talk about the top ten. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then maybe you know pull out a few others that I thought were interesting or or, or, or had me um concerned. I mean, in in reverse order for the top tens, there was Sid with his Hussites, and I'm, I'm going to say his Hussites because Sid has very much made it his own army. He's crafted the list superbly, knows how to use it, and um, he takes the uh, Polish ally and all the optional cavalry, and it it, it makes it a really great counterpunch army. But it can also launch a focused attack. Um, it wouldn't have been a fun matchup for me. And I actually figured my best bet was a combination of terrain, if I could get it, doesn't always happen, but also screening my four Hussite war wagons so I could get them in a position to start killing his wagons before he killed mine. Because uh, neither of us had any infantry of any note um, unless we started dismounting, and that just gets worse for both sides. So that, that was the general aim, was to try and get my war wagons into position where I would force him to attack with my with his cavalry to stop me knocking a hole. That was the theory. I honestly don't know if it worked or not. <laughs> um, I figured when I looked at the field that Sid was probably going to end up with a couple of incomplete games or bloody losses as Heavy Foot ran him over, to be frank. I, I thought he was a contender for the top, but I thought the army might struggle. But he, he did well with it. And um, yeah, he had some really hey. nasty opposition. Oh, it, it would have been a nightmare for me. I was really glad not to face it. I think he fought Steve Swiss, which, funnily enough, was the, the ninth position army. And um, and this was the one army I really wanted to be there to see in person because Steve's done a stunning job on it, and I have yet to see it. Um, and it's a brutal in-your-face army being later Swiss. Um, I kind of figured he'd be looting my camp before the end of the game because there was no way I was going to be able to stop him coming forward. And And, and it's one of those armies I felt would either brutalize me tear me apart or i get it in the flanks and the rear because the, the advantage well the, the the later polish list has some really nice flexible lancer horse in the hussars and it also takes drilled knights 
So it actually maneuvers really well with professional generals. So uh, as, as, as long as you don't get pinned on the terrain or you, know, you can get around a flank, it's got a chance against that kind of army. It only needs to stop him in the middle of the table and then you can work it. But uh, again, I expected Steve would do well with it, but would probably stall out possibly in terrain or, or, or you know, just run out of time against some armies. But, you know. but it's nice to see it make it into the top 10, quite frankly, because it's... It, you know, it is. I mean, I, I had the pleasure of playing it in, in my third game on, on the Saturday. It, it, is, it is a beautiful army. Um, I, I did feel a bit of guilt any time Steve had to take a base off. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, and, and I have to say, yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve was, a, was great to play against. I don't think, I, you know, I may have played him briefly back in the DBM days, but never before, but it was. Um, and you know, I, 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 I played, played him on what was basically an open table, which was really quite hard work for him and and you know all created steve he just knuckled down did the best he could and i i just ran around him <laughs> and picked on the bits i could um you know and and, and it, that was what that was one of his his big losses um but yeah a beautiful beautiful army hopes suppose people have posted pictures of it on on various sites and i certainly posted a couple of pictures of it uh, an absolute pleasure to play against something that just looks that nice <laughs> you know it's a, it's a, a real great advert for it and and, and actually just a, a, on the great advert thing great advert for, for for meg you know it's there with three kyles of pike like the swiss are described as as using and it's brutal frontally and it's on you like nobody's business yeah, you know, and it really feels like a Swiss Army should feel. So yeah, lots of plus points there. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things Meg does really well is it gives the Swiss the chance, which many rule sets just don't. You just can't get them to work in a lot of rule sets. I found. I mean, it may have changed because I've only recently come back to Ancients, but um, certainly it's nice to see it having that 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 chance. And then we come to Richard's Matani, um, which I had actually seen in. Um, Richard using round rays prior to the competition. And uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I ended up deciding that I'd come up with a plan on the day if I ended up facing it. Because <laughs> I just couldn't get my head around it, to be, to, to be brutally honest. It, it was like, my, my, my army had things that were of an advantage to me, but then I was thinking, it, 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 it's so many swarms of chariots, which are skilled shooters. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost the plot thinking about it for so long that I thought, no. I'll, I'll sort it out on the day. I mean, I'd have been interested to see if the artillery and the wagons would have given Richard some pause or he'd have found a cunning way to um, negate them. Keep uh, away from them. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richard's guide to artillery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not particularly fast moving. It would have taken me a while to try and them into the game, I think. I have to say, it's a list I really love the design of. I'm, I'm pretty certain I couldn't use it. But I do really like it, and I'm really pleased to see it play so well because it was a, a very different choice and very nicely put together. Then, then it was Jack's Nicophorian Byzantine. And I've got to be honest, I really want to fight Nicophorian Byzantines in competitions as my army choices tend to have the toolkit to pick them apart or just brute force them even. But post-competition, when I actually saw his list, I just took a step back almost and went, what the... It wasn't what I was expecting in any way, shape, or form. And I think if that had landed on the table cold, very high end, he, he really built um, a brutal, shooty combat army. Is that what it would be? 
Well, basically, he's taken all the toy, all the expensive toys, hasn't yeah. he? He took the Tagmatic Cavalry of Superior, you know, the Thematic Cavalry, Norman Mercenaries, the Cataphractoid, the Varangian Guards as exceptional, um, and then sort of as an af <laughs> because you ha almost have to just fill it up a single unit of Scutatoy and the Armenian Mercenaries, you know. And he had a legendary general. <laughs> 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 you know, it's you know, you say it's what it's eight tugs. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. I must. Well, at least check it. Oh, the unit of Procursatores. Um, it, yeah, it, it's he's just maxed out on the on the big expensive toys, and it's a certain amount. Well, go ahead and yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yes, it, 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 oddly, it's something I really don't want to fight frontally. Which, considering I'm an army built to you know go pound into things, it's. Uh... It is well again. Again, this is one of the armies I fought, um, and unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond anybody's control, we did we couldn't get a full game in. Um, but it's really interesting to fight it because you know, just look at oh right, okay, yeah, mm. <laughs> these are really really tough. Um, it's one of those games where I got I got some flank charges in. Flank charges didn't do too much, and then you know the things like the Normans turn around and batter your horse archers to death in, in, really quickly, but. Uh, yeah, I must say when I looked at it, I thought, oh no, I thought this is this army, yeah, it's, it's not going to do that well. And then Jacques finished what seventh, yeah, you know. So you know, from my initial estimate, big overperformance. Jacques obviously knew what he was doing, and he played a very sensible game against me. So you know, uh, big big props to Jacques there, you know, for taking a really unusual composition and doing well with it. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely have got. In that format, it was definitely my award for you know, bravest choice, I think, possibly. It, you could... it also has an interesting command structure of the legendary uh, army commander and then two just two mediocre sub-generals. Um, so it's, I mean, OK, it's only got eight units, but nine cards is not a lot of cards to operate with. Um but there again, I was thinking, what would I have done with my Mitanni? Because everything that you sort of go up against, you've got charge only bow charging Lancer. So if he shoots at you and gets lucky, you're slowed down. He's then going to catch you and bye bye chariot unit. Um, the Norman mercenaries are superior, so you'll down on your shooting there to yeah. white s um you've got cataphractoy who is both superior and armored horse for the armored so um <laughs> yeah good luck shooting on the black s dice with those um against those varangian guard are exceptional um and shield cover and then and shield cover and you've got scutato you have shield cover um and shoot back at you through it and, and shoot back at you yeah um so didn't didn't leave an awful lot to to there was certainly certainly wasn't a weak link you felt there really um yeah even the flexible armenian mercenaries they could probably skulk in a forest or something and leap out at you at the worst moment um so yeah I can understand why it did quite well. Yeah, no, I yeah. think it's well done, Jacques. I'll say it again. <laughs> then it was Paul's Imperial Roman, which, uh, like Richard, I had fought the week before. Uh, and, and so um, 
knew it quite well. Um, and it's one of those armies that I really rated Paul's use of it. It's not the design I would have used. And and, and as Richard said, the, the, the three, four base Paul legionary units were a really interesting twist. And it, it negated, would have negated my war wagons because, you know, they really don't like being shot at by artillery. Or, or, although, interestingly, it does mean if he's trying to shoot at the war wagons, he's getting in range of all my mounted bows and stuff and being poor. It, it, it makes it a little more even. But um, I thought of it, I think, I thought I could take it in a fair fight. And then I realized the Romans don't fight fair. So, you know, <laughs> it, it was going to be, you know, one way or the other. It, uh, I'm not surprised he did well with it. Yeah. given how he handled it when I was testing out my Polish. So, yeah, it was a good shout but, on his part. Yeah, I found, again, because I, because I, <laughs> I let's check this, this competition. It's, it's an army looked at and thought, that's a bit weird. I don't like the look of that. And then it did well. And they get gone back and looked at it and thought, actually, it's quite clever. It's got some nice stuff in there, you know. And I, it's, it's, I think it, it falls into the category of a list I might nick <laughs> and maybe tweak it a bit but yeah yeah it's a bit of a revelation yeah yeah it, it was definitely one of those it was a sum it was more than the sum of its parts absolutely because yeah. i did i did think the saracen ally really but you know that it's got provides a superior cavalry unit a couple of filler units but yeah but it does make it more than the sum of its parts yeah and and it's got a really nice block of skirmishing um skilled effectively when they're in um Canterbury. Yeah. Um and, and he uses that side by or he did against me, he uses that side by side with the Saracen. And you get this pretty nasty block of skirmishing cavalry shooting at whatever's coming in its way. And it, it, it worked really well. Yeah, as I say, some of its parts was definitely more than what it looked like on paper. So yeah, really good trap. Re really good choice. Um and then we get um oh, now 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 we're into is it this Sengoku Japanese is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> Mark, Mark's, uh, yeah, same same principle. We'll, we'll go with Sengoku Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, which which is Mark um, Hargraves. Um, in a word, nasty for my army. It, I, I just would not have enjoyed fighting this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I, I probably had to have tried for the flanks and possibly flank marched all the flex cavalry because. It's a really intriguing mix of drilled flex long spear, formed flex superior long spear. Um, because of that, it maneuvers really well, I would expect, given the number of cards he had and the fact they're all drilled foot um, and they flex, so they don't care what terrain they're in. They're long spear, so if they're in the open, they don't care. And, and I'm an entirely mounted army. Um, the war wagons would have died a painful death quite quickly if I'd got them too close. So, uh, yeah, not a, ha not a happy matchup in any way for me um he had a bit of a slow burn on the saturday but aced it on the sunday uh, that last game on the saturday and, uh, and into sunday and uh, again it's one of those where i read the list and i, I filed it away for future reference <laughs> so it's uh, nicely I, put i think special um congratulations to mark because he's a relative newcomer to meg and uh yeah i mean i i've looked at that Sengoku army used and I um I'm still impressed at how well he did with it. Um because I I I I think it's beatable but um obviously people struggle to beat it so there you go. 
yeah yeah bob I'd, I'd echo that you know well done mark for that you know it's uh yeah come, come and st stick it to the rest of us you know um, again i've played i played against one, one of these before i think i think with will denham in a competition i've beaten it with my cell jokes it's not easy but yeah no mark's done great with it more power to him so we'll have to keep an eye on him now <laughs> yeah Definitely. See what he brings next time and uh, how well he does. But yeah, it's always good to see a new player come and come and shake us more old lags up a bit. <laughs> um, and, and then of course it's Nick and his rather rum cavalry. Um, That's useless army. This is. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. You, you just, you just bring it out to embarrass the rest of us on how to use a horse archer army. It's really simple, apparently, and uh, yeah, you, you always manage it. Um, I, I, I think my Polish would have had a fair chance. I'm not saying yeah. it's necessarily an even chance, but they would have had a fair chance. Um, you, you being the master of your army would probably have swung it in your favour, I think, quite frankly. Um, although it, it might be more on the dice, but... Uh... <laughs> you saying I'm lucky? I'd have liked to have had a go at it with my Mitanni. Yeah, yeah, well, again, the, 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 the protected skill shooters make a make a big difference there. The The... The um, you know Matt's Matt's army, as I said, I played Paul in a practice game, and with it wasn't with the, the Rum army. It was a, it was a very similar um, Indian Muslim Sultanates one. Um, sort of instead of having the Frankish mercenaries, it had elephants. Um, but it's, 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 small size difference. It was you know it's, it's difficult taking on that 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 army of yours. The because it got quite a lot of superiors, got some shoot and charge stuff in there. It's it's nasty, but um, yeah, there's something just. I'll just say, you know, to blow my own horn. There's something about this Sultanate of Rum Army. I've, I've, from the point I first used it, I've sort of got on with it really well, and and I couldn't quite put my finger on it as to why why it works so well for me. But you know, it has done. So I'm, I'm certainly not knocking it. I like it. Um, Maybe I was lucky in this competition. Four four times out of five, I defended on a basically open plane, which does help against some armies. But yeah, and maybe I'm, I didn't didn't meet the really dangerous ones at times. But yeah, it's just, you know it's um, but it's it, it's it's back it's back to the point Richard made. I've always banged on about. I practiced a lot with it, and you have to be patient. And 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 I think that you you're, you're consistently high placing with it means that it's not luck if you see what i'm saying I, I, I like to think i've worked out how to use the the the, the unprotected flexible cavalry you know because most of them are fours in this this army so i know anyway, it, 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 you know I'll, I'll put my ego on one side let, I'll let you move on to 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 you know if you've got anything to say to slag it off please do <laughs> no no i i think it's a great army i couldn't use it i'd have sleepless nights before a competition if i was running four 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 bases of unprotected flexible horse I, I just wouldn't sleep quite frankly i've been looking for a wood to hide them in and try and fight you with something else but anyway well again just how i got to this point i stuck i started off with with those sort of turkmen tribesmen in sixes and i've worked up to being able to use them in fours uh let my chariot set in no I think I think you know against your army, Richard. You know, I suspect the Frankish mercenaries and the Mamluk would have had to do some heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, I think they would. 
Um, <laughs> sorry, 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 Matt. Over to you. This is this is your part. Can't no, no, no. It, 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 it's all it's all good. Um, uh, yeah. And then it, then it's Jason Brumer and the the the, the Mali Empire. Right. I'm going to be honest. I've read the list. I've pondered the list. I've seen where it placed. I've seen what it fought. I still don't get it. Genuinely don't get it. I, I mean, it's a genius list to be used by genius is the only way I can describe it, I think, because I couldn't get it to work. I honestly couldn't. I, 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 it's, I, I, just, I, mean, I, I look at that list and go, this is a victim army. Um, but it's not run by a victim player. <laughs> Jason is extremely good. He, I think for, for most of us, we couldn't get it to be more than the sum of its parts. Jason can. Yeah. I, I, if I used that, I would get it to be less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> and some of its parts are pretty bad. <laughs> it's, well, it's got four units of downgraded archers, at 102 points each. So... Um, in effect, it has nine fighting units and five camps. Is my attitude. <laughs> um, but you've, you, you, he's not going to let you get to those um, vulnerable units. So you, he's tugged, He's breaking on seven tugs, and he's fighting you with nine. Um, so you've got to kill seven out of those nine. Um, and a player like Jason, that's that's not going to happen. Um, his, his, his challenge, if anything, is to get the victory in the time um, with that army. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, but that, that's the genius of Jason. He'll get you chasing things that you shouldn't really chase um, in my experience. And then and then. Yeah, suddenly you found you he's beating you. Yeah, yeah I, I, it, 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 it's one of those I'd love to play him playing that army just just to see him work with it. If that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. it, it does. I mean, I, I played him at Cross and Crescent um, when yeah, um, Nick for in Byzantine, and it was it was really interesting to watch him and 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 learn how he was using that army. Yeah, I, I played him at Cross and Crescent. Uh, he was using Byzantine, and uh, he, yeah, doesn't 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 make a mistake. Yeah, but it's the same with any good player. I mean, it's the same with playing Sid. You, you you learn stuff when you play these players. And then it was Lee's Takeda Japanese, I think. Yeah. So, so just just a comment at the moment. We're in the top three now, of course, aren't we? Oh yes, yes we are. Because yes. Jason finished third in the competition, so you know, Lee Lee's Takeda is the second placed army. So. Yeah. Which, which is essentially the, the, the Sengoku list, effectively. Uh, Lee resisted the urge to max out on the cavalry, which is probably what I'd have done with the list, because it would have looked glorious. I don't yeah. think it would have made it a better list, though. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, same as the previous Japanese. This would have been a nightmare for me. Uh, all, all, all that flex long spear and throwing the superior power bow. And yeah, my, my, my army's not looking to play with that. One of those I thought would do well, but I didn't expect it to do that well. It, it is. Again, yeah, I, I played this the same weekend. I played um, Paul's version of your army um, and, and Lee beat me. Um, I, I should also say this, is, this was another really lovely looking army on table. Lee, Lee's a good job on it. And the other thing I would say about this, this is the because I, I have very little interest in 
Japanese history. It's, it, I, I cover great swathes of the world. Well, all the bits where horse archers went. <laughs> <laughs> as, the, as the steps go about 5,000 miles across Eurasia, I, I tend to cover quite a lot with that. But Japanese has always been a blank for me. But this, this I looked at this list when I, um, when I played Lee and I thought, mm, that's really nice. I, I could almost see myself doing this army. Just that one specifically, not the Sangoku or any of the other ones, but this one. There's something about it. I just thought, oh, that's nice, different. And yeah. those pirates are odd. It, it, it appeals to me too. I, I just can't get my head around the post-1500 date. Not not for any, I, I think it's perfectly acceptable in Meg. I, I just, for me, it just feels a little more, if I was going to do it, I'd probably want to do it in red or um, something like that in, in the Renaissance size. But But to paint it, would be a, a joy i think just to... i would love to see you paint to this army oh god don't set me a challenge because you know i can't resist a painting challenge <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have me... rabbit hole Matt. yes <laughs> it's japanese matt... rabbit hole here yeah, matt was here but he's now painting a samurai army so he'll be back in five years <laughs> all the lacing individually painted yes <laughs> Yeah, you course. know it, it looks lovely, but you know, and obviously again, Lee's a good player. Obviously, you don't come second without, you yeah. know, in a, in a competition like this over five rounds without being a good player. And then there's the big, the big list at the top: John's James the Fourth Scottish pikes, more pikes, some more pikes, a unit of bow, and a bit of cavalry. Uh, <laughs> but mainly some, pikes. With but, 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 yeah, yeah, to be fair, mainly pikes. Pikes, yeah. Um, Again, it was one of those lists I looked at and thought, John's going to do well with that, but I expected it to stall. I, I honestly expected it would have a couple of games where it just wouldn't finish. Hmm. Because, you know, the, the, they're brutal, but fully armoured, combat shy, you kind of figure, you know, people get out of the way, not, not do it. But um, again, I really wish I was there to see those games in progress, because you know, to, to achieve that with that army, I think it's a great, great result. I, I saw, I read your article on it, Nick, when you fought him. Mm. Actually, you fought just about everybody in the top 10, I assume. Oh, no. <laughs> Five of them. I'm exaggerating. I think three of the top 10. <laughs> but uh, clearly John thought about it very well and had it had it nailed down because he did a he, he had he, he played a very good game against me. And he, you know, because he, he, he got those fully armoured front ranks with shield cover and special rule that allows them to basically stack them. Um, Somebody who hadn't thought about it as much would have charged a lot more than John did, at which point the shield cover doesn't count. Um, so there's more opportunities to shoot that thin crust of really, really shooting resistant pikemen off the front. No, he, he played it very well against me. I, I, it was, but, but still, the, the, the point I one thing I came away from that game is I got eight points off him. So it's sort of like saying, I'm two units off breaking you on another day or another table, I can win this game. I never felt that I couldn't win that game, even though you sort of look at it and go, well, that front rank, and he can cover his flanks, is pretty hard work. I, but, I, 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 I would have fought it, I think. I, I, I didn't... Yeah, the, the thing that allowed me to fight it is the skilled shooting, and I think it would have allowed Richard to fight it as well. You know, it's, Yeah, it's an interesting one, because you have to... I, th I think John's right in, in, but I, I mean, I would have sat there and forced him to charge me because um, he can't push me back. So um, I'm then on white dice. Um, it's then a matter of, 
being lucky, I suppose, in not um, rolling the dreaded one that allows him to catch you. Um, yeah, uh, you, you need those bits of luck because I mean, I as as I, I put in my write, I mean, towards towards the end of the game, I finally not knocked a base with shoot off one of these pike units with shooting, and then three shots later, it had broken, and I was only shooting at it with two files. <laughs> You know, once yeah. you can gang up on the one file that is no longer <laughs> fully yeah, armed and shield then, cut then, with skilled then shooters, <laughs> yeah, then you're can, fun and games. It, it can go, it can go downhill really. And I, I, I basically broke another pike unit by fighting it to the front with my superior cavalry, and because by it was late in the game and some gaps had finally opened up, charged it in the flank with my long spear Arab horse. <laughs> Yeah. So you know you charge into the flank of the combat sh of combat shy people. That's quite nasty. Yeah, I, that, I think the danger is you you become uh, like a rabbit in the headlights, and um, again, it's it's one which you have to fight with a bit of patience. Um, yeah, I, th I, I think a lot of the time, if, if somebody brings something that's unusual to a competition, they, they, they get they get the jump on people, don't they? People don't, haven't necessarily thought about it. How how would I fight this sort of army? And and this one is unique. I don't think there's anything else like it, really. Yeah. You know, you, you, you say, oh, big pike army. So, you know, like Sid's Asiatic successor or Steve's Swiss. Now, this this one's got a really different twist to it. And And... Yeah, I mean it's, and of course we're getting, we're getting the inevitable overreaction on 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 the internet, aren't we? If, oh, it's, it's some sort of super army. Everybody will bring it because it's because it's not it's unbeatable. Well, that's a load of rubbish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they can all bring it. We'd probably be quite happy if they did, quite frankly. Because <laughs> watch them fight as each other. <laughs> yes, <laughs> big green dice frenzy. <laughs> Just from a list writer's perspective, the thing I'd want to know was if it hadn't been defeated at Plodden and James the Fourth killed, how would it have got on in a fair fight against the English? Because um, it was quite clearly designed to um, stop the uh, English longbowmen from shooting uh, into the ranks of the Scottish spearmen. And then um, would the English have had anything that could have dealt with the mass ranks of well, I mean, well I'd, I'd, I'd fall back on the maxim that I used earlier that the Romans don't fight fair. The English also don't fight fair. They'd have probably have bribed half of them to go home. Yeah, OK. So, so. <laughs> well, the, at, at Flodden, the, 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 one, the, the one of the bit blocks of pike that wasn't, didn't, didn't hit the boggy ground went straight over the English that it was facing, didn't yeah. it? You know, so you, you get the feeling if it had fought on a, a fairly flat field, you know, it would have been really quite bad for the English. Yeah, well, Fl Flodden probably counts as a marshy, steep hill. Yes. <laughs> pike we're fighting on. Um, so I, I haven't worked out what the pike factor would be on a... Uh, <laughs> a yeah, I, think, I think it's fair to say yeah, James, James the Fourth possibly made some suboptimal decisions. <laughs> yeah. or, the, or the English got lucky. Yeah, one of the two. Well, they needed to. You know, infamously, the army had run out of beer three days earlier. You know, it's it quite an achievement to keep the army in the field without beer, if it was an English army. 
They must have been doing pretty foul temper by then as well. So yeah, perhaps, perhaps this, perhaps, perhaps they all all rated as, as well, devastating charges or something. Because perhaps Howard just told his troops that the beer was actually in the Scottish camp. If you want to drink, you've got to beat the Scottish army to do it. Yeah. It could have been, but uh, yeah. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think we'd all say well done to John for picking. Uh, an army I'm, 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 I've certainly not seen on table before and using it very effectively. And, he, and it did look good as well. Oh, the, the, the front rank with the pavises with the, the, the St Andrew's Saltaire on the front. Yes, it did. It, looked, it was intimidating in its own way. It, 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 was, it was really, really, really good. Yeah. Can I just, just before we finish, finish this, this little bit, bit up, can I pick on something uh, Matt mentioned briefly? It, about the the tendency in this competition, and I think it happens in a lot of open competitions, that people go to the later end of the lists more. You get a bias towards almost post one thousand CE. Am I imagining that? Or I I don't think it's imagination. I think partly you get a lot of heavy, what I call heavy troops. Um, I think in people like armies that have a lot of frontal punch perhaps and they exist more in the medieval sections of the list that would be my take on it perhaps um matt any thoughts uh, i kind of agree with richard although we don't see the classics the romans the the, uh, the successor pike armies which are equally as heavy and some of them have cataphracts but no, I, I think Richard's probably right on that point. I mean, and the I, other thing I wondered about was whether it's the structure of the, the tournament season, whether we don't have enough later medieval style competitions. So when an open comes up, people take the opportunity to use armies that they haven't had a chance to use in the rest of the year. And they tend to be the later lists. But I can't can't say that for sure. It's just a gut feel. You, you, you could be right. I mean, obviously, this year has been a bit curtailed, so... Yes, it's un unusual. But I've I've always had the feeling, as I said, that you know, with, with open competitions, people move the later. So maybe they just like lots of heavy metal and um, you know long bows and things like that. So it's uh, yeah, maybe so. maybe it gives the maximum number of toys. Yeah, it could be. And uh, you know, the, the point Richard made earlier as well, and you did. You know, there are more lists covering for for the period. You get greater list density. Yeah, well, particularly when you consider that Asian lists, not everybody would have an appropriate Asian list that they would want to take anyway. And so that, that actually extracts quite a large section of the lists anyway. Mm. So um, proportionately, you almost have as many medieval options as you do sort of earlier. I, I would say if you remove the Americas, remove the Asian lists, then 50% of the remaining lists are actually medieval yeah, so. sets. The, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's probably slightly out, but it's not far wrong. Yeah. And let's face it, a lot of them look very pretty. Knights in armour, heraldry, all that sort of stuff, you know, and so it is, yeah. Okay, okay. I think that's it. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. You... No, no, I was just going to say, on that point of looking pretty, that was one of the things I was really impressed with. All the photos that people put up, the armies were just lovely absolutely stunning i thought so yeah I, no, I, I i think it was it was a really good a good good selection of armies that all look really nice so what more can you ask for 
Okay, well, I think that probably leads us naturally at the end of looking back at skull rollers. Um, so John gets to keep the very pretty trophy for the next year, and then we can all try and wrestle it off him again <laughs> next year. So I think just to to wrap up this particular podcast, I think maybe just a, a quick look forward because we've got another competition on the horizon, um, which Will has just published the runners and riders online. Deventio, classical competition. So, you know, um, I think, are we all going? I'm going? I'm not. I, I am at the uh, Society of Ancients conference. In of course you are, yes. Yeah. Matt, you're there? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm running um, Indo-Parthian, partly out of something Richard said, which nobody seems to be able to get a Parthian army to work. And in my arrogance, I thought, oh, I'll give that a crack. <laughs> I um, can do I, that. <laughs> I can do that. It's easy. It's not going to work, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a try. It is, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm taking early Carthaginian, which is, uh, you know, just for change. So you know, I'm not taking horse archers. <laughs> no, they've got I was vaguely tempted by Huns, but I'm not taking horse archers. As somebody who's not going, Rich, I don't know if you've had a look at the runners and riders. I mean, it literally only has been published in the last couple of hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, and things that strike me immediately are two Spartacus slave revolt armies. Indeed. Um, that would be interesting if they fought each other. Um, <laughs> would the table take the weight? Will we be able to stand the I'm Spartacus jokes? <laughs> um, yeah, Mike's. Um, I fought with the Spartacus Slave Revolt Army once um, against a Hun, actually, um, and sort of ground it to almost getting a victory. I think I was one unit off breaking when Spartacus died. Um, <laughs> uh so yeah that's a, um that's going to be an interesting one whether people can, can do enough damage in the time to break it um that would be my concern with my army um and the longer it hangs around the more chance it has of whittling you away the i see there's a later federate roman from keith mm -hmm um that's an interesting choice to go later federate um and the gallic federate, the gallic federate as well Kurt. um uh that's the, yeah that's an interesting choice as well um uh just well, first we've gone oh, i see john's Turkey. running galatian which is about as close to a classical mass of Foot that you can get. It's a yeah. brute, it's a brutal army, Galatian. You know that that, that uh, you know he's obviously got the date there. He's going for the one where he can have all the warriors as the fierce warriors, short spear, devastating charger, melee expert on pretty wide frontage. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, certainly a tough one. Uh, Pete Entwistle going with the Turkilingi at four seven six. Is is that the one he's taken before with three allies? I suspect it probably is. It, it is the date for the three allied list. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to run it, but yeah, that is the one with the three allied list. 
if you're going to take Turkalingi, that's the date to announce whether you're taking it. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, um, uh, so yeah, we've got a good selection from the uh, Royal Achaemenid Persian on an early date. I noticed 5:45, so that's got all the options there. Um, through to um, two classical Indian Marian armies. Yeah, uh, I note as well. Indeed, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm personally looking at. It, I think th it looks it looks a nice mix. We got we got chunk of Romans, um, some Hellenistic types, Seleucid and Alexandrian. Yeah, Sid's there with his successors. Yeah, he, he he would be one of my favourites to win the competition, I guess. Oh, I think you, you could never discount Sid, and, and that's another of the armies he knows backwards. Yeah. Um, really well. I um, see you, Ray, Ray's gone for the Numidians, um, you know, which, and if I remember rightly, that's, that's the army John Munro took to the last, Ventio and he won it. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I may be wrong on that. Um, perhaps if he, if, he, if he listens to this, John will be able to correct me on that. But I'm I'm fairly sure that's what he took um, with, with with a with a Roman ally in it. I actually thought there were going to be a couple more Romans. Well, in the sort of Republican Imperial. Type. We've got two late Republican Romans, one in Indi in Italy, one in Africa. I think it's six Roman lists in there. Another three that can probably have a Roman ally. Yeah, yeah. But, I think we'll, we'll see quite a few Romans on the table. But I, I, if you'd have asked me, I'd have said we're going to get to like five or six cover between late Republican and early Imperial, and maybe the Imperial. But you know, we've got later Federate, Gallic Federate. So yeah, it's mixed it up. It's nice, but you know, over, overall, I think this should be a, a good competition, and um, we, we it's always hosted very well in Derby. Okay, chaps. So you know, obviously, everyone, obviously, Richard, is it's a um, shame you won't be there, but I'm sure you'll enjoy the Society of Ancients conference, which uh, I think as I, I mentioned to you recently, it's something I think I I'm, I must look into in the future because some of the it has some excellent speakers every time, and uh, it's a mix, really, 50-50 of um, sort of pre presentation sessions that last typically about an hour, and then three hours of gaming, and we do that uh, uh, both on Saturday and on Sunday. Um, and uh, on the Friday night, uh, we tend to have some board games set up. So for when people arrive and uh, so yeah. it's, a, it's a good good event all all yeah. ancient and medieval themed so definitely something to look forward and just to just to wrap this up over to me and me and mr haywood here and i'm not going to ask matt to predict who's going to win at deventi or anything like that but uh, i think uh, which of the two of us matt is going to finish highest up you or me <laughs> It's going to be you. Well, you see, I think it's going to be you. <laughs> I, 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 th I think I, I just have this feeling you are going to 
to to do something with that Indo-Parthian and, and and prove that Parthian armies can be competitive. And, and, and I, I think you will finish above me. Well, my, my prediction for what it's worth for me is I will either have a cracking Saturday and a rubbish Sunday. I've already got it worked out and it works and then I'll get cocky or I won't have it worked out and then I will by the Sunday. You know, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. I, 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 I can see myself being mid-table mediocrity. I think at times the early Carthaginian can struggle to finish people off. The, the Indian, uh, the, the Parthian army definitely has that win big or go home feel to it. Mm. So, well, mm. so ne- well, next time we meet, um, regardless of what we make the subject of the podcast, we can compare notes and see whether myself or Matt uh, approve right, each thinking the other will finish higher. Thank you to the listeners, and we shall obviously get this up, get 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 a notice up about when we're doing the next podcast in this series so thank you very much for listening and uh, hopefully see some of you at games soon